the butler did it. Nothing personal phrase of the day. It is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. And Jimmy Butler did something that we have not seen in Miami before. He has set an all-time playoff record. He went Lawrence Taylor last night. Forget double nickels. He scored 56 points in a win over the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks in a game at the formerly known as AAA, now the Kaja Center. And I got to tell you, I was there. And this is not a flex. This is not a look at me, Louie. This is a comment on can you go home again? Because that's what I did. I had not been to a Heat game in six years. Have not been to really professional basketball or baseball games since 2017. I walk in the arena and get right into president mode. I'm looking around at the ingress and the egress. I'm watching people online. I'm looking at the concession stands. I'm looking at signage. I'm looking at the teams warm up. I'm watching how the referees are dealing with certain things on the court, off the court. And the Bucks are consistently winning the game. The crowd is looking for reasons to get excited. They've been doing white hot in Miami for years. I used to take playoff games in from the front row. Spike Lee seats, not that I paid for them. It was part of the deal when Jeffrey Loria bought the Marlins from John Henry. John Henry had these four front row seats and they became part of the deal in the purchase agreement from 2002. So the Marlins had these four front row seats right midcourt and you'd bring clients there, you'd bring friends there, and you got to watch Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, all from the front row. I don't know that I could ever explain how fortunate I feel to have witnessed that. So I go back into the arena yesterday, not in the front row, obviously. I'm looking at the game and I'm looking at Jimmy Butler's performance, and I'm thinking about all the times that I have thought that Jimmy Butler was not a positive for the Heat all the times that I thought that Jimmy Butler was not a winning player, all the times that I've said and thought and manifested that he cannot carry this team, nor should he. What I watched last night was a player who not only carried the heat to victory, but did it in a dominating way against one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. He did it with humility. He did it with hard work, with good shooting, like from twos, he only took eight three-point shots. But what excited me the most about watching him score 56 and thinking about the history that we were watching was not until the game was in hand did you see the type of emotion that some players would give you when they hit a single or when they hit a three or when they're down two touchdowns and score and take off the helmet and do the icky shuffle as though something mattered. This game mattered to win your game at home, to take a 3-1 lead going back on the road to game five where you know you can close out the top seed at home where it's hard to win if you're a road team in Miami and they can close it out on Friday. His exuberance and emotion came out after the game was decided. And I am not often willing to be wrong about a scouting report on a player. I'm willing to be told that I'm wrong and then make my own decision. There were times when we thought players were going to be good and they weren't, and I would not be convinced that they were not good. They could have three bad years, and I would say, no, no, it's coming. Don't worry, the power's coming. The average is coming. It's going to be okay. 
once in a while, I will be convinced. Not by a member of the media or by a fan. It would have to be a baseball person would have come up to me and said, hey, look at your file. Because I would have files on players and stats on players, players to watch in the company, on the team, in the minor league system. And every once in a while, someone would walk in my office and say, hey, just so you know, are you ready? We're going to have to move on from this draft pick or this trade acquisition. It's not working out. Or I would say we can't get rid of this person because, hey, we have so much invested. Let's just give it another minute. Or they tell me to give it another minute. Either way, there'd be disagreements. And I didn't often love changing my mind as quickly as maybe the people I worked with would want me to. Jimmy Butler is another example of that. And so I've been thinking about my own personality and what makes me as stubborn as I am. And I figured I'm so stubborn because I've been right more than I've been wrong. And when I'm wrong, I can pivot fast enough that I can make up for the delay and the stubbornness and not acknowledging when I was wrong. And if you are fleet afoot and can do that, then you can hold on to your position slightly longer than necessary and slightly longer, frankly, than other people can. So I've held on to the Jimmy Butler position for a damn long time. All through his stops in the NBA, I did not view him as a winner. What I watched last night, that's winning basketball from a winning basketball player. Is it enough for me to think that Jimmy Butler is a top five player in the NBA? No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to let one game do that, but I am gonna let one game inform my thoughts going forward that him as a player on the court against a team that's really good did something that nobody has seen in Miami playoff history, and it's not like they have the playoff history of the Mariners or the Marlins. This is a team that wins in the playoffs. They win championships. They've got the banners in there to show you how often they win, the retired numbers to show you who's been in that franchise. Does this mean Butler gets his jersey hung? No. Does it mean that the Heat beat the Bucks? No. Can we just put a pin in one thing here? The best player in the NBA, arguably, number one, missed, for all intents and purposes, the first three games of the series. When that happens, you're not beating the best. You are not the best. But it doesn't really matter because if you win four games and there's a bunch of injuries, no one remembers. And you beat the number one seed. But Giannis is going to play game five and six and seven. So you better get Friday's game. If not, you're not going to get the series. We'll talk more about what happened with me and Pablo and Juju at this game on the Levitard show, but now we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Coke and I spend time every day. We do the show with you from 8 to 8.45 live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Then we stop and I will watch a movie. Then we start working on the next day's show. Some days we say to ourselves, God, there's nothing going on. Other days we say we have to cut the majority of the show. So we're watching all of the news unfold and then boom, Aaron Rodgers gets traded. If you have been living under a rock. 
Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet, the least kept secret in the history of trades. Aaron Rodgers went on the McAfee show. How long has it been, Coca? When did he go on there to announce that he has taken his talents to the Meadowlands? It's got to be a month, I would assume. There was no way the Packers and the Jets could come to agreement because the Jets had no choice but to trade for him, and the Packers had no choice but to get whatever they wanted from for him because they didn't have to trade Rodgers. Let me remind you, Aaron Rodgers is under contract, if this were talking to you yesterday morning, under contract with the Packers. Just because a player says they don't want to play with you doesn't mean you have to trade them unless you're in the NBA or Derek Jeter and Christian Yelich. Other than that, you don't have to trade someone when they demand a trade. So Aaron Rodgers says, I'm playing for the Jets. There's draft picks involved. As you all know, this week is the NFL draft. The Green Bay Packers said to the Jets, very simply, take your time. But if you don't give us this package by the draft, we're not doing the deal with you. And you're going to have to tell your fans that we don't have a quarterback other than the guy named Zach. And I'm happy to tell our fans that we're going to have Rodgers hold a clipboard. We've got the $60 million sunk into him. We had it in our pro formas. We had it in our projections. I am not going to give him to you. Here comes the draft. The phone call gets back. Jets GM says to Woody Johnson, man, Woody, you really screwed us. You talked about how much you wanted Aaron. Aaron totally screwed us about how he wants to play for the Jets. What do you want to do? So basically, Joe Douglas didn't make this trade. This is a trade that went down yesterday that Joe Douglas never would have done as a GM of a team who wants to keep a job, who wants to be looked at for the next job once he gets fired from this job, which every GM does. You're hired to get fired. This is not a good deal. Jets fans can yell and scream at me all they want. We've got Rodgers. Hell yeah. Well, you also did a first round swap. You also likely gave up another first round pick if he plays 65% of the plays. Plus, you gave up two. I'm just wondering here. What about Aaron Rodgers makes you think that he is the Super Bowl MVP? the four-time MVP, the 10-time Pro Bowler, all the accolades. Do you think you're getting Aaron Rodgers in his prime or Aaron Rodgers mailing it in, not wanting to be on the Packers anymore, but wanting his $60 million? What makes you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be better for your team than Mike White was or Zach Wilson could be? Pedigree, name on the back of the jersey, I'm in. If you think that that is what wins you football games, then you sit down today and say the Jets did the perfect deal. What happens when Aaron Rodgers gets this $60 million, which he now gets, starts for the Jets? Forget injuries because they happen. I'm talking solely non-performance. What happens when he realizes, you know what? I'm not all that interested. Joe Douglas goes to Woody Johnson and says, you better not fire me when our team doesn't make the Super Bowl. You better not fire me when our team doesn't win nine games because I wouldn't have put our team in this position under any circumstance. The Packers, meanwhile, 
got the King's ransom in the trade, and they get what they want. They have Jordan Love as their quarterback, which they had to do. Jordan Love had to play. It's the exact timing of when Rodgers started playing. He replaced Brett Favre. Strangely, Brett Favre was traded to the Jets, I think, and now Rodgers has been traded to the Jets, and Rodgers sat for three years waiting for Favre to leave. Love has sat for three years waiting for Rodgers to leave, and now the Packers have to make a decision about what to do with Jordan Love. I think they have till May 1st to pick up his fifth-year rookie option. I'm just not exactly sure how you know whether you should do that. It's not lost on me that I believe the Packers wanted Love to play last year instead of just this year, have a bigger opportunity for understanding what was possible. Jordan Love, what has he played? How many games has that guy played that you can think of, Coca? I'm trying to think. Rodgers played like seven games in his first three years, and that's it. I don't know how many Jordan Love has played, but my guess is not even that many. Are they going to give him $20 million next year, fifth-year option? I guess they're going to have to, right? He has 83 career pass attempts. Thank you, Matt. 83 career pass attempts. In this day and age of the NFL, that's like a Sunday-Monday combo. But you have to hope that the Packers know what they're doing. If you're a Jets fan, you have to hope the Jets know what they're doing. I'm not convinced anyone knows what they're doing because the player had so much power in this case. But my final thought on the Rodgers trade... When you're running a team, be very, very careful. It is such a hard thing to do to get rid of a player a year too early versus a year too late. It feels so wrong. It's like selling a stock, what you believe to be the high after a 40-point gain. You're like, no, no, it gained 40 today. It's going to gain another 10 tomorrow. I'm not going to sell. Or, oh, my God, my house is worth another 50 grand. It'll go up 10 more grand in the next six months, let's hold. And then you look back and say, God dang it, darn it. Look what we left on the table. It's hard to sell at the high. It's hard to buy at the low. I agree. But there were quite a few signals here. I don't mean like the virtue kind. I mean like the physical kind, the mental kind, listening to Rogers, understanding the fact that he was not going to be a Packer. So many things the Jets could have done differently. So many things Aaron could have done differently. Instead, he goes into a cave for four days. Instead, he does the ayahuasca. And now he comes out as though he's going to save the Jets. And if you're the Jets, you have no choice now. You go with him and you better win with him. And on top of that, you better extend him. That can't be. The Jets and Woody Johnson have to believe that they made this trade for one year of Aaron Rodgers because if you extend Aaron Rodgers, that's insanity. You want him to leave. What, are you going to give him another $45, $50 million per year over three years and make sure you spread it out so the cap hits and dead cap hits aren't so bad now and you're stuck in the same place except now he's 45 years old? It's absurd. It's a one-year thing, period. This is not Brady going to the... Buccaneers, this is not going to end well for the Jets. We don't even have this in the show, Coca. Can we do an extra wait to see? 
I'm going to do it for you right now. Let's make this official. Wait to see when we tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, we will revisit it. I promise you. I want to have credibility with you. I want you to know I don't get everything right, but I do take stance. Aaron Rodgers is a one-year jet. Because when you're a jet, you're a jet all the time. From your first cigarette to your last dying dime. Man, I hate when I don't get lyrics right. Wait to see Aaron Rodgers' one-year jet. All right, let's switch to uh, Commissioner Rob Manford, who is doing a yeoman's job right now. What is a commissioner's job? We know it. Protect the owners. Make sure you say nice things about the owners because they vote for you and your salary and your contract. We've watched Roger Goodell do it. You think Rob Manford doesn't watch Roger Goodell and Adam Silver and Gary Bettman? They look at Roger Goodell as the human pinata. What do we got today? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Go watch Half-Baked. We are 360 days away from the next 420, but don't wait that long to watch Half-Baked. There's a character named Samson, and everyone wants to talk to him. Get on Twitter at David P. Samson. Hit follow. And then ask a question in the DMs or get on Instagram or TikTok or all the other places where Coca and I are found. Hello, David. Hello. I like that. I like that start. With Manfred's comment about the A's being more competitive in Vegas, is this just a full court press on Oakland or is this the beginning of the relocation process, although no vote or agreement is in place? Thank you. And hello to you. That's a great question. Well said. Appreciate the hello, David part. Here's what happened. Rob Manford gets a schedule from Pat Courtney and, and Glenn, his PR people, who he's going to talk to, when he's going to talk, how he's going to talk, what he's going to say, message points, subject matters. It is critical that Rob is out in front of the A's and Ray's stadium situation. There has been a lot of anti-John Fisher talk in the media, both written and spoken amongst the fans in Oakland. They are all blaming John Fisher for what's gone wrong with the A's. Has he made mistakes? Yes. Has he neglected to make up his attendance to make it not look so bad? Yes. Does his team stink, notwithstanding their 11-10 victory over the Anaheim Angels yesterday? Yes. Was his team in the playoffs three years in a row as recently as 18 through 20, 2000? 18 to 20? Yeah. Do they have one of the top front offices in baseball? Yes. Are they getting the most out of their payroll? Yes. Are they overpaying a bunch of minor leaguers? You bet your bippy they are. There's a funny one for you. If I get one more DM about how rude it is that I don't want to pay minor league players more, one more. I'm tired of it. They're not going to make it. 95% of them are not going to make it. And they're getting paid money to be professional baseball players. 
if you're not emailing and texting and DMing John Fisher right now and saying, Dear John, my name's Channing Tatum, and I'm in love. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't that a movie, Coca, Dear John, with Channing Tatum? Dear John, I would like to thank you so much for paying these minor leaguers 720 grand a year. They're the highest paid minor leaguers in the world. Why would he put money into Oakland Alameda Coliseum? You've got to show the world, which they now know, it's a dung hole. What has Fisher done differently than other owners who have wanted stadiums? He built the team up thinking the new deal would get done in Oakland. It never got done. We did the same thing and had to do a Cabrera trade when the stadium didn't come fast enough. And then we built it up into the new stadium and then had to get rid of it because we didn't get the revenue we thought because new stadiums aren't the panacea they once were. And do you think Rob Manford doesn't know that? Do you think that when Rob closes his eyes at night, he doesn't say to himself, oh God, what happens if there's a new stadium in St. Pete, a new stadium in Oakland, and it doesn't work? It's a nightmare scenario for him. The bigger nightmare scenario is the A's moving to Vegas and it not working in Vegas, which is why Rob Manford met the Associated Press and had a few choice words about Vegas because it had double meaning. One, pay attention, Oakland. This team works in Vegas and it works in a more competitive way. Revenues will be up. Well, that is really important to say because that speaks to both Oakland and to Vegas. It speaks to the other expansion cities. You better make sure your bid is strong and high because we like Vegas. Of course, Rob's talking points to the AP editors is going to be about how good Vegas is. But at the same time, he has to pimp for John Fisher. I wanted to say not pimp. That's not the right word. Is it stimp? Is it he wanted to stump? Is it stump? Can I say that? Is that one of those words like you can't say anymore? I actually don't know the answer. I have to get a list from Coca from time to time of things I'm not allowed to say. Not because I'm a boomer, because I'm old, because I'm white. I just, who can keep track? So Manford had to say, hey, don't be angry at John Fisher. What did he do? The government doesn't seem to have the will to get it done. For the city of Oakland to point fingers at John Fisher, it's not fair. We have shown an unbelievable commitment to the fans in Oakland by exhausting every possible opportunity to try to get something done in Oakland. Unfortunately, the government doesn't seem to have the will to get it done. I've been in the room. The government does have the will to get it done. They don't want to be recalled. The government does have the will to get it done. They want to get the best possible deal they can and not get taken advantage of and made to look like fools. But Rob has to say this. You have to say, I'm sorry for the fans. You have to say it's not the owner's fault. You have to say the government is not cooperating. And you have to say the place where they're going is going to be a dream. It's relocation 101. Eh, no, it's not. It's relocation 103. 
101 is standing up and saying, hey, I'm going to go visit other cities with cowboy hat. So is this done because the deal to Vegas is complete? Is that why Rob did this? Absolutely not. I said it yesterday. I said it the day before. I said it the month before. The month before that. And I'm going to say it tomorrow. Like at the end of League of Their Own. That may have been a ball yesterday. And it may be a ball tomorrow. But today it's a strike. The A's are still not done moving to Vegas. There is no deal done in Vegas. Every word that comes out of the commissioner's mouth or John Fisher or the president, David Cavall, every word is all about getting a deal done in Oakland or in Vegas, preferably Oakland. And here's the other little nugget. The reason why you need to keep Oakland going is that if the A's move to Vegas, you need Oakland to be an expansion candidate to compete with Portland because you're going to have a Western expansion team and an Eastern expansion team and you need competition. All of this is to say, don't panic. There's a lot more to go. All right, Coke, when we come back, we're going to review the new movie that just dropped on Apple that I just watched yesterday with Chris Evans and Anna DeArmas. And then we're going to talk about some stuff that's going on in our country uh, because it is certainly worth mentioning. Yesterday was quite a newsy day, both in sports and in the world. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming to you live with Matthew Coca every day, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 8.45. Thank you for being with us. Please rate us and review and subscribe and follow and do the things that spread the word about this show because we're trying to take over currently. We're doing a hostile takeover right now of the new studios for the Levitard show. Here we are. What did I watch yesterday? I watched that movie that of course I'm gonna watch. Do you know I give you a list? This is embarrassing to say, but I'm gonna say it. Apple is gonna come out with a movie, I'm gonna watch it. You put Anna DeArmas and Chris Evans in, of course I'm gonna watch it, no matter what. It's not even a question. I, it can get a 4.2 on IMDb. It can get a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't care. I'm gonna make my own opinion and I'm gonna watch it. Dear Apple, I appreciate your effort in casting Chris and Anna. They have the chemistry of two people who've never met and would never spend one second together off screen. I didn't believe for one second that they had a relationship or liked each other, loved each other, but I also didn't believe that they're the ability to have matrix moves when they're doing their fights on a spinning top above a city. Other than that, I like the story. You put Adrian Brody in there and I'm thinking, you got some gravitas, some acting gravitas, except he played like Dr. Evil. It was a caricature of a villain. There was not one performance I bought, not one performance I liked. It was pretty. The movie was pretty. Good-looking men, good-looking women everywhere. I've never seen more good-looking people in a movie. Of all colors, shapes, sizes, genders, everywhere. There's something for you, for you, for you. What's your preference? We got that. I love that. Representation in all the movies. There'll always be something good. Here's the thing that you really wanna be good. Like the script. Like the feeling that there's something to play for. I didn't feel that at all. Ghosted. I believe that's what you should do to this movie. I saved you the two hours. You might as well not respond. And God knows I know what that's like. Ghosted is a straight, pfft, terrible. Moving on. Paul Silas's son got fired. Paul Silas, rest in peace, just passed away. Loved watching him play in the NBA. His son, Steven Silas, coached the Rockets. Steven Silas had a chance to turn that team around, bring them back to the five slam ajama days. I know they weren't the college team, but they did have Drexler and they did have Elijah one at one point. They have a new coach. Guess what his name is? Ime Udoka. Pay attention out here, Lebetard folks who are having your pre-show meeting. When I talked about Udoka, can you hear me in the control room, Coca? I've talked about Udoka. May have gotten me in trouble. He's back. He is the head coach of the Houston Rockets. The guy who was so successful with the Celtics and then got fired because of an inappropriate relationship and 
potentially some sort of extramarital curricular activities, unclear. All I know is that it was enough for him to get let go by the Celtics. He served his time one year and now he's back. Do you think that this is a coincidence? I'm just curious. Do you think that there was an agreement amongst teams? We are gonna let him be for one year, try to get some distance between what happened in Boston. But at the end, we know that owners want managers and coaches who are winning managers and coaches like A.J. Hinch got back with the Tigers after his suspension, Alex Cora back with the Red Sox after his suspension. Are you shocked that Udoka is going to be wearing red next season? The reason I am not is that when we are looking at managers to hire, we get a dossier, not the Steve Boris death fight. Steve Boris, come on, are we live? Damn it, four, six, nine. Not the Scott Boris death file that he claimed to have at Jose's funeral, which is a bunch of horse hockey. Not that kind of file. I'm talking about that we get printouts from people in the baseball department, and we get printouts from people in the PR department. Printouts, sometimes even of lawyers who will hire to do some investigating. We'll get an idea of who we're hiring of who we want to hire, who the candidates are, what they've done. Here's a little hint, folks. Please scrub your social media. Please. We're looking. You can do it. Go back all the way. All the way. Take out those bong rips. Take out those cultural appropriation photos. Do it. We get a list. Sometimes the owner says, my name is Pierre and I don't care. Doesn't matter to me what that guy's done, we're hiring him. I don't care what he wants, we're hiring him. That is what Tillman Fertitta did with Ime Udoka. It didn't matter any off the field issues. It didn't matter whether or not the NBA wanted him back after a year or not. What mattered is that he has watched his team not do anything. And when you are an owner, whether you are beloved or not, and no owners are, whether people think you care about winning or losing and they think you don't, they do. No owner wants to lose 100 games in baseball. No owner wants to go to that lottery every year. Strategically, once in a while, I'm in. But time after time, Cindy Lauper style, no. In basketball, as in football, not as much in baseball, the coach does matter. Your salary cap matters. The room that you have, how you're going to use it. Putting together a team in the NBA, you can turn it around. It doesn't have to be like Sacramento where it takes forever. There are opportunities to do it faster. When you become a coach of a rebuilding team, the odds are very good you will not be the coach to see it through. You've seen it time and time again in sports. We need somebody to hold the fort down while we put ourselves in position to win. And when we're in that position, we're going for the king. Is that what Tillman thought, that Udoka's the king? He certainly had a decent run. Is he any better than Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse actually got a title 
it's going to be interesting for me to watch this and what the Rockets do. But it shouldn't be anything other than normal for you to know that owners are interested, wait for it, in winning and money and not in that order. But money first, winning second, I don't see anywhere. I'm going to have to go down a few fingers. Let me get all the way to my 10th finger. That's not a good guy off the court. It's number 10. It barely hits 10. I may even have to go to the toes. All right. Damn it. We're 60 and 58. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did the Bucks cover the five and a half point spread last night, Coca? What was the final of that score? Do you remember? I can't remember. I think the Bucks may have lost to Jimmy Butler and his 56 points on 19 of 28 shooting. So we lost that. Chris Sale is back, baby. Oh, wait a minute. No, he's not. They're going to beat the Orioles because they've got to beat the Orioles. The Orioles are going to go to 15 and 7? No, that's not happening. Hold on. Let me just check something while we're talking. Let me just put on the glasses and see. Yeah, 15 and 7. Red Sox. Last place at 500. Crikeys. 60 and 58, we went 0 and 2. We got two more picks for you. One of them is a parlay, Coca. Can you tell me how this one's going to hit? And are we minus money on this parlay? But it can't be much. The Denver Broncos and the Phoenix Suns play tonight. Try to finish at the uh, stop. 12, 9, 6, 8. The Denver Nuggets are trying to close out the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Phoenix Suns are trying to close out the Russell Westbrook-led Kawhi Leonard absent Los Angeles Clippers of Anaheim. They're both going to close it out. And I've got an even money line parlay where I'm laying 270. Denver wins, Phoenix wins, series over. We're laying 270. I'm like that, and I like it. That's the first pick of the day. The second pick of the day is about the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are not heavy favorites, only 175 over the Astros. Tampa Bay Rays are 20 and three. I don't know if you're paying attention. They are the best team in baseball. I'm not sure if you realize that the Tampa Bay Rays uh, just won their 14th home straight home game, which may be a record. Their start, I think, is the third best start of any team ever, like since 1900, not even the modern era. Uh, side note, watch for that when people are giving you records and they say that is the most blank in the modern era. There's definitions of that. I like all time. Like bring me back to the 1880 Pippi Longstockings. I want to like know the entire history of baseball over 150 years. Who's done what? Well, guess what? Only two teams started 21 and two ever. And the Rays started and have started 20 and three. They're going to go to 21-3. and three. Rasmussen, there's no hole in that rotation. I was doing Tampa radio this morning with Miller and Moulton, and we were talking about this. There's no hole in the lineup. There's no hole in the rotation. It's a different person every night. They don't have one weakness. How do you beat that? The Astros are playing better, but they, they're injured. They sent Yordy back. His neck hurt, thumb hurts. They've got some injuries. Rasmussen and the Rays over Garcia and the Astros. Those are the two picks of the day. So yesterday we're doing a show live, this show live, and then we did Levitar live for a bunch of hours. 
and word kept coming out about different news, and I just wanted to touch on it if that would be okay. Tucker Carlson was let go by Fox. Don Lemon was let go by CNN, all within what felt like an hour yesterday. The Don Lemon firing has been in the works for a very long time. The Tucker Carlson firing came out of nowhere. Something acute happened, speculating. It had to do with the Dominion settlement, that someone had to be blamed. Maybe there's more coming out that would have impacted the other lawsuits that Fox is facing. Maybe Tucker Carlson did something and finally went over the line that the board said or the Murdoch said, hey, Kendall, it's not you. It's time for Shiv or Connor. Something happened. But what I kept thinking about is what does it mean? When you lose somebody from the right and you lose somebody from the left, does that become an even trade? Did the world of political commentary make zero progress because you had two people who were at the end of the horseshoe anyway? And so by lopping them off, does that mean you're getting closer to a straight line where you can actually have commentary without emotion, where you can have information and education so we can all make our own decisions, which is the sole purpose of nothing personal? Is that possible? We're gonna find out with how they fill these time slots. Don Lemon's time slot got filled this morning. Life just went on, they did a two minute, hey, we're gonna miss him, he was a mentor, loved him as part of CNN this morning, but guess what, the show must go on. Fox is gonna have a primetime host and the show will go on. The question is what kind of show will go on as we enter into another political presidential campaign and lest you have forgotten, it's on like Donkey Kong. Because on top of Carlson and Lemon being disappeared yesterday, this morning at 6 a.m., President Joe Biden released a video saying that he's up for re-election. The one-term fixer has decided to run again. Without telling you where I stand, but you know, you know where I have stood, you know where I am standing, don't know where I will stand. That's the beautiful thing about standing is you can shift your feet from time to time based on new information being given to you. When Joe Biden sat there and said, let's come up with a video announcing my reelection, what's our theme? The theme of every one term president going for a second term is we've got more to do. Let's keep going. It's one of my favorite things. I have a tattooed for Christ's sake. Let's keep going. I like it. Joe Biden's thing is we're not finished. That's the same as let's keep going. Let's finish. I mean, that's always a good idea. But when you run four years ago saying, hey, I'm a one-term guy, we're gonna get it done. And then you run in your second term and saying, hey, we gotta finish. That means you didn't quite succeed in the first four years, right? I'd like this slogan to be, hey, we did what we said we were gonna do, now we're gonna do even more with more time. When you announce you're gonna do five things and you've got one hour to do it, like a show like this, if I tell you Coca gets pissed at me when I say we're gonna get to something and then we don't get to it because the audience gets upset, they get excited, they think that we're gonna talk about something and they press forward, 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 where the hell is it? If you're gonna say you're gonna do something, you better deliver. When you're gonna make America great again, you better make it great again. Or you could say make America greater, or it didn't work, we made America stink, now we gotta make it great. 
So we're going to try that again. We're going to make the world tolerant. We're going to make the economy better. We're going to lower inflation. We're going to lower gas prices. We're going to save the environment. We're going to save the earth. It's all going to be great. Oh, cricks! We didn't finish. Nobody finishes. It's political impotence. It happens every year, not just the last four years or the last 14 or the last 140. Well, maybe the last 140. Politicians always run the same way. That's what a re-election campaign is. We got more to do and we're gonna keep doing it and we're gonna do it my way. Yes, my way. Well, we've all seen Biden as president for four years. We've all seen Trump as president for four years. Who do you got? Is that really the best we have? Is that we're gonna give you Trump v. Biden part duh? It feels like hot shots part duh. It feels like airplane part duh. It feels like Fletch lives. This is the sequel? Well, we're gonna have to do something good about it. I don't see anyone standing up to challenge or run. There are people, there's two people who have said they're gonna run against Biden for the nomination. We don't know if DeSantis is gonna run against Trump or someone else, are they gonna get any traction at all? But it certainly appears like we're looking at the sequel of Trump-Biden. If you're in, you're in. But if you say that you saw that coming, I guess you're smarter than I. I guess you have a better political telescope than I do or maybe a crystal ball than I do. I thought that there was no chance in Hades town that this is where we'd be, but here we are. So what do we do? We spend our time getting educated about the issues, making sure we hold people accountable for what they said they would do and whether or not they did it in office and whether or not what they did is something we want them to keep doing. That is what people who are reelected do. But here's the funny part. When you are in your last term, you are emboldened to do more because you're not running again. You're not up for re-election. So if you don't like what happened now, just you wait, it's gonna be more. If you like what happened, then just wait, it's gonna be more. This is a fascinating time. It is incumbent upon everybody listening to this show who will be able to vote in the next election to at least start thinking. We can still talk sports and talk entertainment and culture and all the fun stuff that we do, but it is now time Given what we are seeing, given what we've lived through, what we are living through, and what we want to live through going forward, it is time today. Read, listen, learn, not just in an echo chamber. Don't just watch the channel of people saying what you want them to say. Watch the channel of people saying what you can't stand them to say. Read articles about things that make your skin crawl. Help that inform your view and be open to the possibility, hey, maybe I was wrong. I did it. I did that very thing. And man, let me tell you, it hurts. I told you when this show started, I'm stubborn. I don't like being told that a player who I thought was good is not good or a player who I thought was not good turns out to be good. I need to be proven time and time again. And then I will give up the stubbornness, move forward, and then tell you that I'm able to change. If I can do that in sports, if I can do that politically, if I can do that in myriad ways, guess what? I'm just an ordinary guy just sitting here talking to you every day. You can do it too. It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal. 